from Ancillary Sword by Anne Leckie. My compression had reduced the blood coming out of the translator, but I couldn't control internal bleeding, and her breathing had gone quick and shallow. She was losing blood fast, then, faster than I could see. Down on level three, Carl 8 was opening the case where the medkits were stored. She'd moved the instant the order had come, was working quickly, but I didn't think she would be here in time. I still pressed uselessly on the translator's back while she lay gasping on the ground, face down. Blood stays inside your arteries, Delike, I said. She gave a weak, shaky, ha. See, she paused for a few shallow breaths. Breathing, stupid. Yes, I said, yes, breathing is stupid and boring, but keep on doing it, Delike, as a favor to me. She didn't answer. This is Gothic. The Gothic Podcast is a horror and humor actual play audio drama. As such, it contains material, including our jokes, that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Recording! Recording! So we just get started here, and Jesse leaps up and leaves the computer. <laughs> it, was, and, it was your very long Ricola. I think that did him in. Yeah, it, it, was, the, think, it was the Ricola. Yeah. I think you slayed Jesse. I guess we'll wait till Jesse comes back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Awkward. <laughs> well,. Any, did he, anybody got anything going on here in the uh, near future? Oh, it's because Jesse do- doesn't want to plug his stuff. That's why he got up and left. Oh, yeah, probably. Because <laughs> he has a show coming up. What we'll did he say, him- the last two weekends of May? Yeah, we'll make him talk about it when he gets back. Well, oh, Richard, I thought we were just going to do the plug for him. <laughs> what's happening in uh, Adventures Vault Zone or elsewhere? Uh, well, you know, we're plugging away with the current campaign, but... Uh, Kind of a, a, some exciting news. We were we will be entering the world of live streaming in uh, next month. At, at a certain point, we've got some fun new ideas, uh, a new campaign ish kind of thing. It's not. It's sort of a campaign. It's more like a. Um, it's laid out more like a braided novel than a traditional campaign. So uh, hopefully, it's going to add a fun element. Uh, we're going to try to get back to more straight up storytelling roots uh, as opposed to. Uh, you know, quite so rules heavy, although we're going to be, you know, it's Pathfinder, so it's going to be, uh, you know, rule rules heavy compared to uh, what we do here on the Gothic. So hopefully it'll be fun. Yeah, I was just thinking that Aliens running a little bit rules heavy for us. Um, I've been feeling like we've been doing a fair bit of uh, dice rolling yeah. and uh, mechanic looking up instead of storytelling. Oh, uh, but Sharon, while we're waiting on Jesse to get back, um, you had some uh, book recommendations? 
Oh, um, yeah, no, I was uh, recommending to uh, my fellow co-hosts and all of our listeners, Anne Leckie's The Imperial Raj Trilogy uh, starts off with, um, uh, I totally remember the name of the first book, uh, <laughs> Ancillary Justice is the name of the first book, and uh, um, followed by Ancillary Sword and Ancillary Mercy. Um, it follows a first-person narrator as she navigates her way through uh, an enormous, sprawling space empire of humanity that has very distinct ideas of what counts as humanity and what does not. And um, the main character has a, a pretty singular objective, but ends up keeping getting involved in uh, geopolitical struggles that are happening throughout this enormous, enormous empire. Um, and uh, so you get these hints of what's going on kind of across these, you know, different parts of the universe, uh, but through a very specific singular window of this one uh character and jesse's back hey hey uh what do you have to plug jesse don't say nothing because we know different (laughs) yeah no um i've another fun musical that i'm in uh it's a power rock metal musical based off of an interesting DD world where the billionaires of the world are the dragons um so i get to play head, one head of the accepted <laughs> i know right i get to play one of the avatars that is actually um in this fantasy world um it's a bard and we all love bards in our own weird way um but this one's especially fun it is happening friday saturday sunday both uh may 20th through 22nd and 27th through 29th it'll be a lot of fun i'm and way that's, excited. Uh, that's gonna be in portland right yeah that's actually um at the samaritan oddfellows lodge in milwaukee ah, um right outside portland Yep, just barely outside Portland. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. I am way excited for the music, the people, and to just have some fun putting this weird world of tabletop into a musical and rocking out with it. Is there going to be an online component, or do we have to um, travel to Milwaukee? Um, to- there might be a recording at some point and put online. There's not going to be a live one this time. Since, you know, restrictions are being lessened and we are actually allowed to do a little bit more with the live version of the show. Excellent. Anybody got anything else? If not, let's uh, let's do some rolling. And we're going to, uh, because apparently last time I promised that we would be going to the Pescado Malo at the beginning of this episode, let's go to the Pescado Malo. When last we left our space truckers, the captain had called Patience and Bosco in separately to the, to the cockpit and talked to them about uh, their fellow crew members. And he attempted to get a hold of um, Brad Larson, but he was unable to do so even when he put out the call over the entirety of the ship's comms. Even as he is adding to his message, saying, let somebody uh, go down to uh, Cargo Bay uh, 2 and see if you can find uh, find Lars. Even as he's putting that out over the comm system, uh, we go to Cargo Bay 2, and 
We go back in time a little while, a few minutes at least, and we see Lars working on dismantling the structure that the cryo chamber came in that the crew had retrieved from space. The cryo chamber being in the med bay now and and not in the cargo bay, but the, the structure it was attached to is still there. And he discovered not only some weird slime stuff, but also something like a snake's discarded skin. The cargo bay is not a brightly lit place. There are lights here and there, some of them operating fitfully, some burned out, just enough to create lots of shadowy places in the cargo hold. And the brightest area is where Lars is, light shining uh, from the spots that he has pulled over to shine onto the metal and such that he's working on. And so he, listening to music on his headphones, doesn't hear or see the shadow, the large shadow that moves from place to place behind him. But something must alert him, for he reaches down and he turns off his cassette player. And then, what do you do, Lars? Bosco, stop playing around. There is no answer. Hello? Hello? And then and then he's going to move over to a comm terminal. You move over to the closest comm terminal. Now, you barely registered, Lars, that there had been some announcements coming on over the, the comms that there was, uh, the captain has, you know, summoned a couple of people up to the bridge. And uh, you heard... Uh, Patience's name, you heard Bosco not too long ago, but since then you haven't heard anything. And as you go over to the comm system, you realize why that may be. The comm system is melted to the wall. There's still something dripping off of it. This ain't good. And uh, head towards the door. (laughs) You turn and head toward the door. Uh, Go ahead and roll. Your observation, if you would be so kind. I think I can handle that. Just for a random non-specific reason, nothing is stalking you. <laughs> Even though that's not very many to roll. Oh, jeez. Uh, nothing. How many dice do I have? We're five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Jeezy, crazy. Oh, wait, are you just... Oh, okay. He is actually rolling ten dice. <laughs> Oh my god. That's a lot of dice. It was dice. a lot of dice. Yikes. And uh, I had two hits there. Yikes. You turn, Lars, and you are staring into the face of hell. You turn, and there is something in front of you, right there. Like, no more than uh, three or four, maybe, tops, meters away. It has a long, swept-back head. This swept-back torpedo shape, kind of curving. It's unbroken by eyes, just reflections in the glossy blackness of it that 
reflect the lights. Below that is a jaw that is drooling right now with a whitish-gray liquid. This head sweeps back into a body that is roughly humanoid in, in shape. It, it could be a, a person you want almost to believe that it's a person in a suit, and yet the, the blackness of it, the, the chitinous aspects of it, the, the almost technological parts of it, that it, it almost has tubes running around it that look almost made, but not. They're organic. They're grown. The, the arms end in fingers, but oversized. Each hand could easily wrap those long fingers around the entirety of your head, Lars, ending in wicked claw tips. Then the whole body goes back to legs that are very similar to the arm, muscular, ending in claws, a tail that extends backward, lifted up off of the ground, ending in this terrible barbed spike. And it's there, and it has the drop on you. It gets a free action before before we do initiative. Oh, no. (laughs) That, That all seems very bad. That's so bad. I need more wine. <laughs> <laughs> That's our season three t-shirt. I need more wine. <laughs> <laughs> Lars, you do also notice, and this is just a weird thing for you to notice, but there is a cut on one of its arms. Uh, it's, not, it's not clean. It's a little ragged. Huh. Um, almost like it had, made, had been made by one of its own claws. And starting to slow, but still dripping from that wound, is blood. Um, something Icarus, anyway, and it touches the, the grates of the flooring here in the cargo hold, and the metal begins to melt wherever it touches. Lars, you take a stress level. Okay. I feel that that's fairly clear. <laughs> and then wow. it launches itself through the air at you. And grabs you, grabs at you. Can I, uh, do I have a, like, a reaction, like a block attack? Weren't you, like, slicing apart bits of scrap? Are you holding, like, giant shears or something that you could use? So I have this cutting torch that I was using to take apart this piece of metal that we had pulled in that had the uh, cryo chamber attached to it. So terribly sorry, though. You uh, cannot block a sneak attack. Okay. Oh! That's what I was wondering. That's what I was wondering. Alas, if you make it through this, then you can block further attacks. But uh, until then, no. Let me roll my dice. I don't have any armor on right now either. I only got one hit, but I only need one. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, You take one damage, Lars. Okay, damage taken. You must immediately make a panic roll. Oh, jeez. That's a seven. Oh, no. <laughs> Actually, So wait. a seven isn't too bad. What's a seven? No. Patrick, weren't you saying earlier that, like, just having some stress isn't necessarily a problem? Yeah. you have to roll, like, a seven or better? Well, you know. <laughs> and we're all like, no, stress terrifies us. <laughs> Your stress level goes up by another one as you get a nervous twitch. <laughs> 
<laughs> An understatement, I should think. <laughs> <laughs> you have a nervous twitch. Also, your spleen is on the ground. <laughs> yeah. This thing, though, grabs you, and it has leapt forward, and it grabs you. This can't be good. We see you, Lars, our camera does. Um, we see you as this thing, you're struggling in its grip. You drop the cutting torch as it turns and drags you across the floor of the cargo bay. Clunk, 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 thump, thud, thud. And as it drags you through a door... And then we lose sight of you for the moment, Lars. Oh, no! Uh... Let's go elsewhere on the ship. You, Patience, and Bosco have now heard the captain say, Somebody go find that boy. After speaking to the captain, my intention was to go replace the lights that are burnt out in the cargo bay because that's intolerable to me. So I'm fetching light bulbs and I was heading down there anyway. All right, so you are uh, getting light bulbs from storage. Well, Bosco is probably uh, trying to work real hard at looking like he was working real hard somewhere. Because, you know, that's how you do it. You want to look busy, but not actually be busy. However, uh, the captain done mentioned it several times on the radio, so Bosco figures maybe he's going to go mosey on down that way and see what Lars is doing, because, you know, as much as Lars is annoying, he's not a shirker. So down I wander, heading that way, with a bag of potato chips in his hand and a <laughs> soft drink in the other, because, you know, all this working hard and hardly working is, well, drives up the thirst and the hunger. You run into Patience, uh, who is holding a box full of light bulbs. Offer a chip. No, thank you. You're on deck B of the ship, which is, there's three... Uh, decks to the Pescado Malo. The uppermost one is the one that has the bridge and the med bay and uh, places like that. You know, the the fancy cleaner areas. While uh, deck B has a storage and the armory and a couple of workshops and things like, like those. And then deck C has the the floors of the cargo bays and and some other workshops and engineering and such. Alrighty. Hey, uh, light bulb girl, do you, do you cringe when he says that? Uh, no, I don't react at all, as if you haven't addressed me. And, and you see at that moment that, like, Bosco, like, at that point, he's looking to see if it draws a rise out of you. He's kind of caught on to the fact that you don't like it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I would say when something does actually irk patience, like, you can tell in body language, like, patience slams things, you know, t- has a tendency to, like, put stuff down harder than necessary and stuff like that. So there are tells, for sure, that uh, that you can get a hold of. So if somebody are paying close attention, the fact that he didn't react, you see that almost look of disappointment on Bosco's face. <laughs> <laughs> Where he, he's hoping to get a rise out of patience, but it didn't work. She's like, well, hell, all right. Hey, uh, uh, I got, I'm going to head down to uh, look for Lars. And you see, he looks almost pained to say it. <laughs> so, uh, where are you going with them light bulbs? You want to go with me? Because, I don't know, that fella, he's he's a worker, that one. And it's just weird that he ain't answering back. Uh, it, it is strange. I am actually headed there to replace the bulbs that I noticed were out when we were bringing in the cryo chamber. 
Oh, yeah, the bulbs. Yeah, I noticed that. I was just about to do that myself, but uh, looks like you uh-huh. beat me to it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, let's head on down there, and, uh, and uh, I, I help you with them light bulbs like I was going to do anyway. I'm sure. I'll make, a, I'll make a little gesture as if to say, after you. All right. And he does the, like, of course, and he's like, strides forward all macho-like, <laughs> you know, a little bit chest out just a little bit and a little bit of extra... Uh, accentuated swagger to what he was doing. Patience moves very quietly and efficiently. Eventually you enter an elevator and then you descend down one level. The elevator, like everything else on the ship, is working pretty good because Patience tries to keep everything operational, but it's an old ship. And so it clanks, clank, 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 as it lowers, clank, clank. And outside of the cage of it, the walls of the elevator shaft drift by. At the bottom, um, it stops, and you have to physically open, uh, sliding it to one side, the grate that is the door of the elevator. Bosco kind of uh, move out of the elevator. Uh, you know, he's doing that all confident, like, like you know, clearly nothing is wrong, and uh, whatever's happening, he has well under control, although he has no idea what is going on. Would you say that Bosco maybe feels a little bit of, like, self-satisfaction of the fact that this time it's Lars being, like, called back to duty? Like, <laughs> uh, oh, absolutely. That's the only reason he went is because he's like, I'm going to catch Lars and he's going to get in trouble. And uh, he's the one get you know, that's what's going to happen. He, he doesn't want anybody else to bust Lars at whatever he's doing. Moscow. <laughs> uh, you step out and go down a, a corridor into a junction and down another corridor. and. Come to another one and, and go down it until finally you find yourself in Cargo Bay 2. In the Cargo Bay, you were, uh, move you know, down the narrow corridors between the gear that is the crates and the machinery that's all been moved to the side so that you could maneuver the cryo chamber and its accompanying structure into the bay. Patience, you are annoyed because it's not going to ever be bright in here, but there should be lights here at the door. There should be at least one more in this area shining in a way that, that you could actually see the corridor through the machinery and not have to just sort of guess where you were going. Uh, but up ahead, there is much brighter light that cast by uh, the uh, halogen spots that can be moved around on their tall tripod stands to provide working light for people on projects. Well, at least those are functioning. Do we immediately see anything amiss? Or I'm I'm kind of panning the room looking for, you know, trying to pinpoint spots where I'm going to need to maybe get a ladder out or anything like that to get up and access the light fixtures. Sure. Yeah, you're going to need a ladder for most everything. I mean, there's a few places where you could kind of parkour it, but really uh, the ladder is going to be your best bet because this is a, I mean, it's it's a cargo bay and it, it it's pretty tall. Yeah, yeah. It takes up a fair bit of space. And you see that uh, there are a number of, of lights that are flickering or out altogether, but give me an observation roll. Oh, okay. Bosco's going to forego his role because he's seeming awful cocky right now. So the only thing he's looking for is Lars. Yeah, so Bosco, you see that there's a there's a chair over by the structure where 
You know, Lars would, you know, sit down to work on some of the stuff that doesn't require standing. Uh, there's also Lars's uh, cassette player and headphones. They're sitting on the chair itself. Huh. You can still hear tinny music coming from the earbuds. <laughs> uh, I had one success. What in the Sam Hill kind of music is that? Underneath one of the big earth movers, you see a blue glow flickering, like almost like fire, but it's it's not. It's a it's a blue glow. You immediately identify it, patience, as a a cutting torch, but one that's on. I'll go over there immediately and turn that off. That is a hazard. It is underneath the uh, the machinery. You're going to have to get under there and like crawl under. Yeah, I I lower down onto my belly and I kind of army crawl underneath. And yeah, it's just there. the The torch starting to sputter now as the as it's using up the last of its fuel. Actually, give me a uh, give me a power supply check for that. Uh, I turn past it. Bolt gun, cutting torch. Oh, power supply five. But it has, it is definitely already down some. Um, so it's uh, let's call it a power supply of three. You've been working with it for a while. So you roll stress die on this one. Um, and if you get a face hugger, then it loses some of its power. Okay. Uh, that is a one one loss of power supply. So that torch has two power left. That could be important. Okay. All right. And I'll turn it off. You turn it off, and you see that its first tank was almost empty, but it's one of those dual tank cutting torches. It it does still have some juice left in it. Mm-hmm. But why Lars would you know leave it on and apparently kick it underneath this earth mover? No idea. He's usually fairly responsible with his equipment. I'll uh, back out from under the earth mover. And uh, I think stand up. First of all, look around to see if Lars is there so I can direct a stern stare in his direction. And uh, if he is not there, go put it back on his workbench. No Lars in evidence. Boss goes over by the uh, structure that Lars was working on. So I'm just approaching with a scowl and a cutting torch. <laughs> hey, where you, where, what? Uh... He left his torch on underneath one of the pieces of machinery. Huh. Tremendously irresponsible. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of don't sound like him, much as I hate to say it. He's kind of annoyingly responsible when you think about it. He's the only one around here who gets anything done. Uh, well, uh, I Do mean, you... uh, uh, maybe we should just figure out where he went, not get into this right now. <laughs> Bosco, uh, while you're reeling from this sort of sidelong uh, uh, attack that <laughs> Patience just gave you... <laughs> You see that uh, there is something weird there where Lars was working, other than his um, cassette player. There's some kind of thin material, almost transparent, but kind of grayish. Mm, go see if I can't get a slightly better look. It's, uh, it's just sort of um, puddled at the bottom of the, or at the base of the chair. And you pick it up, and it kind of unspools. And it's irregular. It's torn. Uh, the edges are torn. But it's this big irregular sheet of something that feels almost slimy. And the thing it reminds you of most is snakeskin, but slimy. That's what is that? What have you just picked up? That's not a tarp. 
Um, I don't know, but uh, something ain't right uh, here. And and you see, and you know it's serious because you see Bosco actually set down his bag of chips and his, <laughs> his little soda. So you, you know it's dawned on him that something has gone completely amiss. So, oh, I'm beginning to think maybe maybe something's not right. What I don't know what the hell that is, and I don't know if I want to know. You should put it down. That's a hell of an idea you got there. And he kind of <laughs> slings it down and tries to flick off any of the goo from his hand and wipes it on the, the nearest crate or whatever is close by. <laughs> like Bill Murray in the library with the slime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lars, you may have blacked out there for a second, uh, but now you awaken still being dragged, bumping your head on the grating of the floor of a corridor. You look around, the the wall markings that tell you where you are are there, but you are too freaked out, really, to register them. As you come to a junction, the thing that is dragging you drops you for a moment. And in that moment, we will draw for initiative. Okay. Oh, no. I've got my cards here. I'm going to draw for you so that we don't ever have to go to roll 20 again. (laughs) I think we all collectively don't have enough screens for that. (laughs) Lars, you get a 10. That's not good. Remember, lower numbers are better. Oh, right, right, right. They go from 1 to 10. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, that's my luck. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't for bad luck. You wouldn't have any luck at all, right? You said it, Bosco. <laughs> Only in your head, though. Yeah. <laughs> because Bosco's <laughs> not here. Right. Bosco's like, God, I hope he's all right. I don't know who's going to do all that work if he's not all right. <laughs> <laughs> Lars, it turns and stands over you. It looks down at you, even though it has no eyes. You just see your own face reflected in that shining carapace of its head. The lighting here, not flickering, but dim like everywhere on this level. Enough that you see more than you could possibly want to. And it stands there for what seems like a terrible, terrible long time. And then it just bats you to one side you like hit the wall but you you still don't manage to get back up you can't get your feet under you you are there's just this terror in your it's not in your body it's like it's in your soul then it reaches out with a clawed hand and grabs your clothing and lifts you up and tosses you against the other wall it's enough to daze you to keep you off your your toes to keep you from being able to do anything at the moment and then That tail whips around, and you almost can see it coming in slow motion, the spike at the end of it dripping with something. Lars did not like the sound of all those dice being rolled. Oh no, that's that's so many. That's a lot of dice. Is that all ten dice? (laughs) You take one damage. Just one? Oh man. You don't have that many! This isn't D&D. <laughs> I need you to make a stamina roll. Ooh, stamina. With my stress. Um, yes. No! 
Oh, oh no! Uh, two Jesse. successes, but one face hugger. No! All right, well, roll uh, on the panic die, because you could still succeed at this. Remember, this yeah. isn't necessarily an automatic fail. Oh, of... yeah, 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 yeah. Six. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, so somehow you managed to keep it together. <laughs> As this, Oof. it is, but the, this tail, this stinger, almost, is the only thing you can think of, like, goes into your, like, right below your rib cage, <gasps> and it's out just as fast, and there's <sighs> blood now on on your work uniform, on your overalls. And you feel something, oh. a dizziness almost. Oh, no. But you can do something. So what do you do, Lars? Um, uh, I, I'm just going to kick that thing as close to I can figure as its chest. I, I do wish to tell you, Lars, that you do have other options available to you. Attacking the human-sized atrocity in front of you may not be your best route. <laughs> Um, since you are unarmed, but, uh, you do have other things you can do. Uh, you can uh, try to retreat. You could just outright run away, although it would get an attack on you. You could try to grapple it. <laughs> you could try to shove it. Uh, you could try to seek cover. Mostly I'm thinking about, uh, using both fast actions and get up and retreat. They are at engaged range, right? Oh, absolutely. Run away, <laughs> run away. <laughs> So you need to make a mobility roll uh, to move away to short range from them. Um, uh, I feel for Lars because he 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 got uh, two of them goddamn face huggers. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Oh, buddy. Uh, well, it's feeling like destiny. That's a panic roll. Yeah, oh. it is. Oh. Um, like we're starting to panic on your behalf. Yeah. <laughs> What effect do I have now? That's an eight. Okay. Now I have a tremble. That sounds awful. It does. Agility? That's what gets me moving. (laughs) With an eight, you don't fail what you were doing. You just have those other conditions. You, You crawl a little ways away from this thing. It almost lets you go. It's just staring at you. If you thought it would could smile, it might be smiling. But but it can't. Instead, the bottom jaw unhinges and another mouth <laughs> on a tube extends slightly. But it then you are on your feet and you are running full out there, Lars. Which way? Left or right? When you're smiling. <laughs> no time to determine where you are. Just which direction? Right. To the right. There isn't one of those open hatches that can iris closed, and uh, you find yourself in a junction. Now that you're a little ways away from it, you you realize that you're in um, you're back near engineering, all the way toward the aft end of the ship. Cargo bay two is toward the toward the forward end. Mm-hmm. You have choices here. One, you can hang a left into engineering, or you can run straight, or you can uh, head up an access ladder. Uh, up the access ladder. You scramble up the access ladder to deck B, and uh, that is as far as you can make it. Any comm terminals on the way? Not on the ladder. Okay. There was one in the junction uh, room, yeah. but okay. 
but the uh, thing is like right beyond that, that door that did not close as you came through it. Back into the cargo bay. Patience. Bosco, what are you doing? Well, now I want to find out where Lars is. So I'm going to look around specifically to see if I can see if I can figure out where Lars went. <clears throat> yeah, that's a good idea. Let's look around a little bit. We didn't pass him on the way here, so he must have left by one of the other exits. Bosco, give me an observation. Oh, that is uh, going to get interesting. <laughs> uh, zero successes. <laughs> Patience. This may surprise you, but Bosco is not the most observant <laughs> not very person observant. on the ship. <laughs> uh, one success for Patience. Uh, Patience, it's probably, I think, your instinct to go over and report. Uh, you go over to the comm, the, the comms oh, yeah. on the wall, and it is melted. It's like somebody took that cutter to it, almost. At least that's what it looks like without really close examination. What has he done? This is unacceptable. What? Did he torch the comm unit? That's what it appears. I tell you what, if he's some damned rogue android or whatever they are, I'm going to be awful upset. I heard about that. A cousin of mine had one of them happen to one of his ships, and he almost killed the whole damn ship. You know what? I I, I just, those things are ridiculous. I can't believe, I, he better not be. Actually, he better be, because that'd be the only thing keep me from, from, from beating the snot out of it. Actually, I might just do it either way. I think I might join you if he's deliberately done this to my ship. Is there like a, a nut? Is there only one commuted in the cargo bay, or is it just the one? There's just the one, because alien RPG. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes. It ma- I mean, it makes sense. You know, why would there be another one? Don't want to spend too much money. Company doesn't want to spend too much money on that crap. I mean, it's the cargo bay. Like, you know, <laughs> why do you need multiple? Anyway, I guess I would just go look out down other hallways and try and see if I can see Lars down the other access ways or anything like that. You do so. You you go out the uh, main door, the one that you came through. It then you know puts you into that set of intersections where you you just came from a little while ago. There's a long, long corridor stretching out in front of you. Uh, two hatches along the way, both of them open, dimly lit, as everywhere down here is pipes hissing and. You see something move at the far, far end of that, way down toward the end, just a dark shape, vaguely the size of uh, Lars, it might be. It's definitely not any of the pets on board. Bosco, I'll say, and I'll jerk my head this way. Bosco kind of cautiously moved forward, and you can see the conflict on his face, because what he wants to do is boldly stride forward like a man would, but also he's scared shitless right now, so he kind of doesn't want to do that. What's he thinking is going on here? That Lars has gone crazy? That he's an android? No, that's exactly what he's thinking. Uh, he's like, it's one of them crazy android things that I've heard about, where they just snap and their programming goes all crazy, and they start just killing people and blowtorching comm units and just all kinds of crazy stuff like that. Lars, uh, what do you do? Okay, um, uh, I would run down the, the corridor and find the nearest comm terminal. Uh, you're in a junction uh, that you just climbed up into. Down below you could be the thing, but there is a comm terminal on the wall. Slapping the red alert. It's melted. Ew. Oh, no. <laughs> well, that this doesn't help me. Hates comm terminals. I guess. 
It hates these cans. It's the cans. <laughs> no, it's a string it doesn't like. <laughs> Just can't stand keypads. It had to use T9 all its middle school existence, and it's really... Not currently engaged. It didn't catch back up to me during that round. It's not there with you, so... Okay. You could look down the hole and of the access ladder and see... Uh. Uh, running to... That access ladder continues up to deck A, too. Or you can um, go starboard or port. Uh, okay, I'll move from junction B3 around the upper landing claw chamber to junction B2 to try and make it up another level. Uh, also keeping an eye out behind me. Port or starboard? Uh, towards the airlock. Port side to, towards the airlock in B2. Yeah, you run down the the access corridor, uh, hang a hard right, almost bouncing off of the walls there, and you are coming up on the airlock. Quick look behind me. Um, is it still following? You haven't seen it since you climbed up to deck B. Okay. You go through the doors of the airlock, and you're still headed for junction B2. Any doors I can shut at that point? Uh, yes, you could shut the uh, ones in the airlock. Slam them close and keep running. Breathing heavily. <laughs> Bosco, patience. Yeah, I've called Bosco over and I'm just going to walk down the hallway towards where I saw movement. Yeah, Bosco moved down that way, but he's going to reach around and look, look around. He wants to pick up something that he can use as a club. Uh-oh. A tool, a wrench, something along those lines. Just something that makes him feel better, like he has a weapon in his hand. So there was the chair at uh, Lars's workstation there. Or I feel that uh, Bosco would be the kind of person that always has a big old crescent wrench on him somewhere. Uh, you know, now that I think about it, on his uh, sheet for a special item, he has his maintenance jack. Oh. Which it describes oh. as a large tool that's used for opening and closing uh, crates and things like that. So it's a big metal wacky thingy, almost like a crowbar kind of thing. Yeah, I was picturing it's got the it's got the metal slots where you can put it in there and then rotate the locks the way they're supposed to be. You know, think more like a shut off or like a gas line or something to that effect. Nice, but but yeah, that's that's what I picture when I see that thing, just a larger one for a spaceship. So he pulls that thing out and wields it like he knows how to use it, <laughs> like Nothing a baseball bat. <laughs> he's going to wield it as though he's highly skilled at using this thing as a weapon. He saw it in a trid once. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And cautiously forward, Bosco strolls. You two pass by the first of the hatches down that long starboard corridor, enter a long section of hissing pipes, lights that patient stops at a couple that start to flicker and, and hits them with their knuckles and brings them back into life and glares at them. You go through the second hatch. You're coming up to the turn in the corridor where it heads off toward the port side. You saw the shape move deeper into that area. Um, <clears throat> deeper to, at, like, to a right angle to where we're, we're headed? Right, so it's off to the right of you. There's some uh, access hatches to um, some of the... Um, some of the conduits and such that's mm -hmm. there right to your left, but uh, that's not the direction you saw the shadow go. I think it would it would make sense to take a pause for a second and shout, Lars! You know, like you do in a scary movie. And mm -hmm. 
wait and see if I get a response for a second before I keep moving. You turn the corner. Ahead of you is the hatch going into junction C3. The lights in in the junction are are brighter. There's four of them there Hmm. that illuminate a ladder that goes up into a, a ladder well that gives access to the upper levels of the ship. Of course, you know this area well, Patience. Uh, mm-hmm. The hatchway aft goes into engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all, the, all three of the hatches here are open, and there is no sign of Lars. Give me an observation check. Two successes. There is blood on the forward bulkhead here in the corridor at about ankle height. Just a, a, it's an impact splatter, it appears to be. Not like a, not like it's been dragged across the mm-hmm. wall, but rather that it is, that something hit it and it just sort of splatted against it. Could be paint, but you don't think so. Bosco looks at the blood and goes, oh no, he's killed somebody. Look at the blood. I think it's far more likely that he's had an accident. I'm telling you, the androids don't have accidents. They go wackadoodle all the time. Uh-huh. I'll look kind of up the ladder and see if I can see any, I don't know, drips, uh, and then down the other hallway and see if I can see any drips from somebody bleeding who is moving down. There aren't any in the corridor on the floor here, but you do catch sight of one on the um, rung, one of the rungs of the ladder going up. All right. That's not good. Uh, I'll look around for what that noise was. That's an unfamiliar sound to me, and that's unusual on this ship. Make an observation roll. Okay! Two successes. You don't know what it is. You don't see it, but it came from... It came from engineering. While you're contemplating that, Lars, (laughs) you are headed out the other side of the airlock. You pass by a a couple of racks of uh, the... Uh, pressurized suits that would allow you to open the airlock that gets you into the the uh, claw storage area, and and then you you go through the exit of the airlock. Uh, did you wish to close that behind you? Yes, please. You close the hatch to the airlock area behind you. It hisses shut. Then you proceed on down a short length of corridor. Take a right with a whole long length of dimly lit ship ahead of you. But where you're headed is a cross corridor about halfway down, going off to your left toward the front of the ship. And you get to the hatch that's there when the fuzziness that's been in your head really becomes almost overwhelming and your vision begins to blur and your stomach hurts where the thing pierced you (laughs) and you fall unconscious to the floor. No! No, Lars! This can't be good, and I pass out. <laughs> well, that's un- unfortunate because uh, Patience, I think, would go investigate. Uh, an unusual sound coming from engineering uh, could mean bad news for the entire ship. So I would say to Bosco, um, I believe he went up this ladder, but first I'm going to investigate the noise I'm hearing from engineering because that could indicate something wrong with the ship itself. That's a good idea, yeah. We should make sure he's not mucking with the ship. He went up the ladder. Engineering is the... <sighs> Never mind. I'll, I'll go into engineering. Uh, yeah, Bosco's going to follow Patience. He, he, he makes it seem like it's because he doesn't want to leave her alone. 
but honestly, Bosco just doesn't want to be alone right now either. <laughs> you both proceed into engineering your comfortable maze of equipment, giant structures all steaming and hissing and purring along as they are wont to do. The uh, hum of the reactors that uh, you can cock your head to one side and listen to, realizing that it is functional and nothing seems to be wrong with it. In fact, not getting a whole lot of anything wrong. I mean, you just went over all of this uh, within the past day. Yeah. And it was all purring along nicely. Bosco, how do you feel about engineering? I mean, Bosco's going to like engineering. It's kind of his home. It's what he does. He works there. Uh, so there's going to be a certain level of comfort, you know, with uh, with Bosco being in engineering and all. You know that Patience has their nest here, too. Yeah, kind of nice comforting feeling there. So you both feel actually almost relaxed, despite the, the weird sound that Patience heard. Uh, but this is a very comfortable space for you. Yeah. It is like a warm blanket has just wrapped around you. <laughs> Until <laughs> I draw initiative. <laughs> no. It didn't surprise you. Uh, okay. Because that's that's you you heard the you heard the ticking and you rolled enough. So it it doesn't get the drop on you. Thank goodness. <laughs> let's just see let's see what happens. Uh, this one, uh, this first one is for Bosco. That is an ace. Look at you, Bosco. Oh. Yeah. And, oh, a two for patience. Ooh. <laughs> and then it doesn't really matter what I get for mine, because <laughs> you guys got really good ones. Excellent. So, Bosco. Oi. You hear something above you. Bosco slowly turns his head skyward. I guess not skyward. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Ceiling word? <laughs> Star word. <laughs> no, that's well, everywhere, those, too. <laughs> that's everywhere, also. <laughs> yeah, slowly turns his head towards the, what well, would be considered up from where he's oriented. You turn and look up. Patience? Same. You hear the sound as well. You look up, and you see something coming toward you fast. It's climbing down the side of the piping and the gantries and such that are against the wall here, like a spider. It looks almost like a gigantic spider for a moment, but then you realize it has only four limbs and a tail, but it is mirror black, and it is reflecting the orangish light of engineering and reflecting you below, and you can see its mouth, its sharp, almost metal-like teeth, you can see uh, yourself reflected in the black carapace of the thing. Uh, you can see all those things that Lars saw. <laughs> um, what do you do? Um, <laughs> so that kind of blows my Android theory out of the water is what he's thinking anyway. <laughs> Weird looking Android. And then he's going to do this, uh, like, awkward moment where he, like, slowly starts to back away. Like, maybe if he doesn't make direct eye contact, it won't notice him. It's like maybe a T-Rex, or if you move slow, you know, it's vision's based on movement. So he's backing away. <laughs> Thanks, Bosco. <laughs> Would you say you're retreating? Um, yeah. 
Bosco is retreating in the most macho fashion uh, <laughs> he can pretend to attempt. <laughs> Bosco's also going to, like, try to silently get patients' attention. Like, the silently, not silently, you know, where you're doing the psst, psst, you know, and it's, like, pointing up. <laughs> patients, what are you doing? Bosco, call the captain immediately. I will hmm, turn on the uh, cutting torch. And uh, I think I would also start backing into the doorway behind us so that we have like more of an enclosed space around us. So I'm just trying okay. to set myself up in a in a advantageous position, I guess. All right. So you're you're just sort of standing in the doorway there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patience turns on the cutting torch and steps back into the doorway very calmly, Bosco. Mm-hmm. And then, Bosco, what you see happened so fast, you're not quite sure what you saw until you process the after image of it, almost. But something grabbed patience. It, like, <laughs> appears in the doorway from above. And oh, then these, this clawed arm just sort of whips out, grabs patience, and then flings them across engineering um, out of your sight. Patience, you fly through the air, crash into a, a giant engine converter. Oh my god. <laughs> the cutting torch goes spinning away from you. Great. Still lit. Oh, this is and safe. <laughs> now you begin to understand what may have happened with Lars. <laughs> you don't take any damage from that, but uh Okay. But you do take a stress level. Okay. And then it is above you on the converter, it is, uh, it apparently jumped there and hisses down at you almost tauntingly out of your reach. It's at short range, but not engaged. Okay. So I would need And you are prone ranged. and the cutting torches spun away. away. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Bosco, you saw all of that. You also heard patients yell to contact the captain. You glance to one side and see that the comm unit here on the wall of the junction is melted, just like the one <laughs> no. in the cargo bag. This thing hates 5G so much. So at this point, where is this thing in relationship to Bosco? So you don't see it. It yanked patients away and flung them somewhere into deeper into engineering, probably toward the starboard side, you think. And you don't see it. So it's either... Right above the door where it had grabbed patients, or somewhere else, but it's not right in front of you. Oh, for crying out loud. Um, patients did tell Bosco to alert the captain right away, but Bosco's never been much one for doing what patients tells him to do, <laughs> so he's probably not going to start now because, as much as he doesn't, you know, like patients for the most part, he also doesn't want her to die to some strange alien critter, or whatever in the hell that thing was. So he's actually going to run over to where she is. That was a violent throw. Is she dead? <laughs> you, Bosco, rush into the room, and what you see is patients on the ground, on the floor, sprawled out, staring up the cutter nearby. But patients, before Bosco comes in, the thing just hissed at you, mm-hmm. and made that sound, and then 
turned and scurried off into the deeper parts of engineering. I want to follow it. It's going into sort of the mid-level stuff where it's you can get into that area, but mm-hmm. it requires climbing and then and then squeezing through some tighter areas between engine blocks and such. Yeah, I can't risk the uh, potential for damage it could do to the engines of our spaceship. <laughs> I'm going to follow it. I'm going to try to stop it. Bosco Patience is standing up and looks like about to start climbing. That seems like a terrible idea. Bosco, we cannot let this thing run loose in the engines of our ship. I thought I thought I told you to call the captain. The comm unit's gone. Like the other one. Ah. Uh. So is this doorway that we just came through the only way in and out of here? Yes. It is. Maybe we could corner it. Well, I'm sorry. It's the only normal way out of here. These ships are riddled with ventilation shafts and ductwork and conduit uh, tubing and yeah. Uh, fair enough. It's like a a warren in the walls. I was like, Bosco's going to see maybe close the door and uh, close this thing in here. At which point you hear klaxons. And the red lights start going off. Everything shifts to red. And the captain's voice comes over the intercom system and goes, "Um, We have an emergency on board. Um, All hands uh, to the galley. The galley? And we'll find out what happens next. The galley? (laughs) Wow. The problem is here and I need to deal with it. On a future episode of the Gothic (laughs) Podcast. Oh, poor Lars. The Gothic Podcast is a humor and horror actual play podcast produced by C. Patrick Nagel, starring C. Patrick Nagel, Sharon Gallery Lafournaise, Jesse Baldwin, and Richard Southard. Season 3 of The Gothic Podcast uses rules from the Alien RPG, produced by Free League Publishing and Monster of the Week, written by Michael Sands and published by Evil Hat Productions. Theme music is by Zoe Hovland and original artwork by Jared George Art. If you enjoy the Gothic Podcast, please like, rate, and review us on iTunes. Visit our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram feeds, and check out our Patreon page. Thanks! Things went very south for Lars quickly. <laughs> Join us next time. No, I'm da, 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 da. Bosco's back there. I sure hope Lars is all right. <laughs> the record scratched the narrator. In fact, Lars was not all right. <laughs> <laughs>